millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome back to the Leaving Eden Podcast. My name is Gavriel Hakohen, but my friends call me Gavi, so let's be friends. Welcome back in the middle of this episode where my BFF, IFB Cult Survivor Sadie Carpenter, and I have just finished recapping. Welcome to Plathville Seasons 1 through 3, and they're about to start our recap of Season 4. If you missed the Seasons 1 through 3 recap, which was the first half of this episode, make sure you go back and listen to that. Otherwise, I'm just going to patch us right back in where we left off, and we hope you enjoy it. Yeah, so let's get on to Season 4, because that's when, like... Season this four gets, is like so nuts. reality TV. Oh my god, season four! I, ca- is- I have to love it. it. It is, it is like real reality TV, and th- I never watched this show because I didn't think that would ever happen, but it totally did. No, this is this is cool. This this show is nuts. The, like season four is so much. Like everything happens. Every ep- not every episode is a banger, but a lot of episodes are bangers. So uh, the season finale was on August 2nd, and we are recording on August 3rd, um, just to just so our audience knows how dedicated we are. Yeah, I, ro- I watched the finale this morning. Um, I have opinions about this. Don't you know? Uh, Sadie hasn't actually seen it yet because she has a baby, but I'm going to be doing the recap of the finale when we get to that. I'm, um, I'm so looking forward to it. I don't actually know what happened in the finale. So you are oh just going to tell me and we're going to live react. Anyway, we got to get through season four before we get to that. Let's do it. Great. Season four opens and Mariah and Max are broken up. Good. Woohoo! <laughs> Max. Ethan, after a progressive process of moving further and further and further away from Kim several times, Ethan and Olivia and Mariah are finally in Tampa, Florida. So they've got a lot more breathing room away from Kim. Kim and Barry 
are so Ethan and Olivia are still kind of on the rocks, still kind of struggling with this whole marriage thing. Kim and Barry are even worse on the rocks. Uh, Micah is in LA and living his best life. <laughs> I could love Micah in this season. He, he's iconic in this season. He really is. He <laughs> so. <laughs> Micah has some fun moments. So Barry (laughs) bought Kim a dance studio where she is going to teach dance. Kim is actually qualified to be in charge of a dance studio because she went to college for it, believe it or not. Mm. She's going to teach ballet and belly dancing, which... Once again, mm-hmm. shows that Kim just makes up the rules as she goes along because now her daughters are in leotards for ballet and this is supposed to be completely normal. However, like I know fundies who do this. Like I know of fundy families who run dance academies and they have the kids in like proper dance or gymnastics attire, but they're against that in real life. Anyway, I've, I've at least heard of this before. I did notice that Lydia is in more of a fundy workout outfit for ballet, which once again makes me think Lydia has bought way into all of this and it's going to be tough for her. So ballet is interesting here because on one uh, to like on one hand, it's very much because they're vision for him. So they're all about classical European culture. That's a very loaded, yeah, a very loaded phrase. (laughs) In the scare quote sort of way. So on one hand, ballet is very much classical European culture. Um, Very traditional, very rigid gender roles. But on the other hand, we have something where the costuming is definitely not what the IFB would consider modest because it's it's, it's very skin tight. Mm Mm-hmm. How... hmm. So... I, I really think this is just Kim making up the rules, and that's kind of all it is. You think it is? Yeah, I, I think because most fundies are just kind of not going to go in this direction, but Kim has always made up her own rules. So Barry has bought her this dance studio, and Barry, <laughs> poor Barry, just cannot comprehend why buying his wife a dance studio didn't fix their marital problems. Yeah, so what's going on with them? They're just She's just not happy living with him. She feels like he's completely given up on the relationship. She she says that he hasn't taken her out on a date or done anything romantic for her in literal years, and that he's just been completely closed off in every way. Bummer. Um, this tracks like this is one place where i actually believe what kim says yeah barry like every time he's on camera he just like barry is the kind of guy who thinks like uh, a handshake is intimacy yeah that's the barry barry i was gonna compare him to data from star trek but that is such an insult to data i can't do that i like data yeah i would much rather be married to data uh than barry so barry thinks that kim is going through a midlife crisis But he also admits that he has not taken his wife on dates or done anything romantic for her in actual decades. Does he understand that women also have desires or did they just not tell him that? Oh, they don't talk about desires. (laughs) No, but like not even like not even like sexual desires, but just like desires for emotional validation and desires to be once in a while, like even if you can't afford like the nicest thing just like something a little bit special to just let her know that you appreciate her or just like the day-to-day stuff where you i don't know like send her like leave a nice note for her on the fridge if you have to leave for work in the morning and you're up before she is leave a nice Mm -hmm. note on like the basic 
you know. You know, Barry could have any time done little romantic things like that for Kim. That is essentially free if you were already going to buy and drink the coffee. Barry could have gone out on their farm and picked wildflowers for her. Again, essentially free takes five minutes. Anyway, this frustrates me because I feel like if you were married to somebody for over 20 years, you would know what kind of inexpensive small gesture they would appreciate and be able to do it. Yeah. Like, I, yeah. I'll i tell you one. Okay, I'll tell you my like romantic thing I do for my husband. Every time I go to the grocery store without him, and I go to the grocery store fairly often because Chuck is a monster for fruits and vegetables. So I end up going to the grocery store a lot more than I used to because I'm just buying all this produce all the time. But I don't want to buy like too much at a time because she's a baby and she doesn't eat that much. Anyway. It goes bad. Yeah. So every time I go to the grocery store, I bring something, some kind of little treat home for him. So it might be a beer he likes. It might be his favorite energy drink. It might be the crystal light that he likes to make and keep in a pitcher in the fridge. It might be his favorite candy bar. It might be chips that he likes. Um, and it's usually, it's usually like one or two dollars. Uh, he likes Slim Jims, so I'll bring him Slim Jims. Yeah, it's usually like one or two dollars, never more than five dollars. But I just always bring him some little something that, you know, that we would have bought anyway. But it just, just to say, hey, I was thinking about you. And to me, that's romantic. That's really sweet. That's just like day to day. Yeah, just like, just, uh, you know, I recognize that you are here and that you like things and I want you to have the things that you like. And just like, I want you to be happy. Yeah, like I, I just I, want you yeah. to be 10% happier today than you would have otherwise been. See, that is ro- that is true romance right now. But Barry's not doing any of that. Barry is not doing any of it. So he hasn't done any of it for actual decades. And then he thinks that buying his wife one expensive present, which is a job that she has to work at, (laughs) even though she does want to work at that job, is going to just magically fix it. Yeah. (laughs) This is going to end predictably. It's like buying indulgences in the Catholic Church prior to the Protestant Reformation. <laughs> yeah. Just maybe uh. less effective. So <laughs> wow. so while Kim and Barry are having issues, Micah is still living his best life in LA where we left him at the end of the last season. Now he's 21. So now yes. he's even more living his best life. There is a very funny scene of him going to a strip club for the first time and getting very drunk. And I have to admit, it's kind of adorable. I watched this like eight times. I got it. Like I got, I, oh, I watched it like eight, it was incredible. <laughs> Ethan and Olivia were there as well. Yeah. I, okay. So I felt like Olivia maybe pushed Ethan over the line. Hmm. He, he's clearly uncomfortable being at a strip club. And I get that. I get that Olivia is trying to open him up to new experiences, but she's she is really like she is really pushing him. I don't know. That was just my perception of it is that he did not really want to be there and he was not ready to take that step and she was ready. And I don't know. I feel like her pushiness is really getting old. I so I have maybe a different opinion about this than you do. Um because I watched this scene so many times. It was like, it was incredible. It was hilarious. Uh, just because Micah was just vibing 
so hard. He like in that in that whole scene, he was just vibing so hard. So Ethan, because in the scene, basically Ethan and Olivia and Micah all go to the strip club. And Micah and Olivia are having a great time. They're having a lot of fun. They're like, you know, throwing one dollar bills and stuff. It's 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 just fun. Ethan is not having a great time. Or my perception of this was though that Ethan wants to be having a good time, but he is also a married man in a strip club. And so I like I don't know if you've ever had this experience, Sadie. I have never been a married man in a strip club. Neither have I. But but sometimes sometimes like you see something that I don't want to say it like turns you on, but you it's, you see something you, you like and it's not something that you've seen before, but like it's the first time you're exposed to it and seeing it feels maybe a little bit disturbing. Like a lot of people say they try sushi for the first time. They are not used to eating raw fish. They're not used to the, you know, either the saltiness of the seaweed or the wasabi being too spicy or that just the, the idea of eating raw fish in general. But then they try it and they're like, okay, that was interesting. I don't know if I'd go back for it, but then they try it again and then they like it and they try it again. And every time they, okay, they I do know it, the like, experience yeah. of like, you try something and you're like, that was interesting. And you don't know if you like it or not. Yeah. And then you're thinking back to it. You're like, you know what? I could kind of go for that again right now. And then it becomes more and more of a regular thing. And you have to acclimate yourself to it um, and you have to normalize it maybe before you enjoy it. What I see is a married man who was raised in Christian fundamentalism and he is in a strip club and he is a straight man and he likes being in the strip club, but he doesn't feel good about the fact that he likes being in the strip club. So in order to enjoy himself, he needs his wife to be there like literally constantly telling him it's okay for you to like this which sounds exhausting for olivia right like that seems like it would be a tiring role to fill yeah but it's like because he just has so much guilt because he's a married man in a strip club and he was raised in fundamentalism and he thinks that this is this is horrible in order for him to be doing things that we would consider maybe like normal and acceptable strip club behavior i.e like throwing money staring at you know like again perfectly acceptable and appropriate behavior in that setting he needs like an explicit like explicit permission from his wife in order to do that yeah but he doesn't just need permission like once he needs permission like every five minutes because the guilt is overwhelming him like every five minutes and then he gets his little guilt antidote and he's okay for a minute and then it like wears off and he needs it he needs that permission again but also though his wife was raised in fundamentalist Christianity and modesty culture. So his wife, on one level, Olivia, understands that this is an okay activity to do with your husband if you both want to do so. But on another level, she might be feeling weird about this too. And she doesn't have anybody to give her that validation that Ethan's being given. So I I don't know. I feel like she bit off more than she could chew on this one. Because Ethan has a partner who's like, yeah, this is fine. This is okay. You can enjoy this. This is this is all consensual. These people are consenting to dance for you. You're consenting to be here. I'm consenting to, for you to be here and for me to be here. It's okay. But Olivia doesn't have that part. She doesn't have anybody to do that for her. And being in a strip club can be intimidating for a lot of women, even people who weren't particularly raised in modesty culture or purity culture. That can be a challenge for anybody's self-esteem. So we can see that Olivia is appearing to have a great time, but 
hypothetically, if there's any insecurity coming up for her around this for any number of valid reasons, her energy or her vibe may be a little bit off. She may have a little bit of defensive body language, and Ethan might be picking up on something that we're not because he knows her body language. Yeah, that's totally fair. I have another theory, which is... So so in, in a different episode in the season, I think it's later in the season, Olivia and Mariah go to a pole dancing class. So, But when Olivia is in the strip club, she's saying, this is the kind of body positivity that I want. Like she, she says that on mic. <laughs> so maybe at this point, the pole dancing, that's something that maybe she wants to try. She thinks it sounds fun. She thinks it's a cool way for exercise. And she hopes that her husband would be into it. So she brings him to the strip club, hoping that he'll have a great time so that later when she says, hey, I want to go do some pole dancing, uh, do like a pole dancing class with Mariah, his response will be like, oh, yeah, that sounds awesome. Instead of maybe being a bit more hesitant, because we know that like with these sorts of things, Ethan's going to be a bit more hesitant, but he's also just going to say whatever thought pops into his head. Right, because Ethan has chronically no filter, but also Olivia might feel that she she might have like patriarchy, misogyny, leftovers. Oh, of course she does. Making her feel like she has to have his permission to do something like take pole dancing lessons. Maybe she just feels like uh, she wants to do it, but she just needs the little like bump of approval to push her over the edge to. So say maybe that she, wants, she to do that. wants to do it, but she is too scared but if her husband wants her to that will give her the confidence interesting so your theory is that maybe olivia is already interested in pole but she wants to soft pitch it to ethan i don't think that's a crazy take i think i think that's a a very interesting take lots of people are interested in pole and i hear it's an amazing workout and there's a lot of different disciplines but that can be a hurdle. Like people are afraid of the stigma or afraid of what their partner will think. So this makes sense to me. Yeah. Incredible core strength. You need to do that. Um, I can imagine. Yeah. She like, she was raised in IBLP. She was raised in fundamentalism and she has clearly deconstructed quite a bit. Like she's in a strip club. She's taking her husband to the strip club. She, probably still has difficulty with the thing that we were talking about last week with, you know, doing or a couple weeks ago, because, you know, with doing things for yourself because you enjoy them. So she probably thought she probably saw the poll and she thought, you know, honestly, that looks like a great workout and a lot of fun. And I could doubly justify it to myself um, that I should do this if my husband is into it or like, you know, how fundy couples can be where they get engaged and married really fast without the level of communication that's there like you would expect if it's a partner that you've been with for uh, like several years yeah she's they're just not going to be to the level where uh at least when they got married initially where she can say i want to go pole dancing how do you feel about that she's going to instead say did you like the pole dancing at the strip club and he's going to say it's okay, I guess, because like no matter what, he's just the type of guy. And this isn't necessarily a funny thing. I think this is just more of like a oh bless his heart, he's so like sweet thing. Um mm-hmm. but he's not going to admit to his wife or anyone that he is physically or mentally capable ex- of experiencing t- attraction to any woman that he- is not his wife. So she's gonna say, Well, if I did it, would you like it? 
That's, yeah, that's like she's got a soft pitch it to him because they just don't have the level of communication where she could say, hey, I want to do this thing. Is that cool with you? And I'm like, I'm no relationship expert. And I like, I know they've been a little bit rocky and maybe they're, and it's probably because their communication just isn't like up to snuff. And that's like really been the main issue is that they're having a lot of time, you know, dealing with they're at different levels of deconstruction and they had like a trial separation, but they ended up back together and they're trying to make this work. And so maybe, you know, just kind of throwing at the wall is like a way for them to do that. And maybe it'll work and maybe it won't. You know what I'm saying? Like, interesting. My favorite thing about all of this though is that there's like, obviously this big subtext of potential conflict between Ethan and Olivia and Micah is just vibing. He's (laughs) Micah is having the best time. Micah is very intoxicated and very happy about that. Yeah. He's like, like clearly this is not Micah's first time drinking. It's his first time drinking legally, but it's not his first time drinking because he's just having a, like he's like an expert already. Like he, he listened to our, uh, our, our alcohol primer episode that is coming out which next is week. amazing because it hasn't even come out yet <laughs> yeah he's he's an expert he already knows um here's a question for you this is purely hypothetical if we were making a scale of would i want to go to the strip club with this person where would you so mike is a 10 right oh yeah Micah would be a great time so opposite end of the scale is josh duggar negative 1000 yeah yeah Micah is all vibes. He's having a great time. He's throwing money. He's not gonna. He's not gonna get handsy unless he like buys a private dance in the champagne room. Um, Josh Duggar is gonna be out there like beating up sex workers and then stiffing them on the check. But if we had to make a scale of like, would I want to go to a strip club with this person? Where would we put other fundies on it? Oh, that's a good question. This is like. Do you want to just like like name a fundy and I'll give you a score? Okay, so how about Ethan? Where do you put Ethan? Uh, oh gosh, I would One put Ethan. Ten. Ethan maybe maybe as a four. I put him as a three. Yeah, Ethan needs. Ethan could loosen up and have a good time, but I'm not. I'm not. Um, not optimistic. How was it? Well, okay, what would you give Olivia though? I give her an eight. Olivia isn't because she's there. She's she's having a good time. She's like, this is the body positivity that I want. That I want for myself. And okay, like. I like if Olivia if if I was friends with Olivia and Olivia wanted to go to a strip club I'd be like sure that sounds like a good time. Okay, who else? Jim Bob Duggar. Zero. <laughs> yeah, I'll give him a flat zero. Um because I I feel like he would be so low key creepy to the employees or he, the he, independent contractors. He would say things to the dancers that were are like Ugh. not like overtly sexual, more just creepy. More just like, well, I'll tell you what, you have such beautiful hair. <laughs> that came out a little more Clinton than Jim Bob, but you get my drift. Oh my god, yes. Yeah, like oh, um they're both from Arkansas. Yeah. Like uh, you know <laughs> Ew Ew. I tell you what, your skin looks so soft, I could eat a whole plate of tater tot casserole right off you. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I just feel like not even like overtly sexual, just just kind of skin crawly. Just kind of like, oh, is yeah. this man actually a serial killer? Okay, like- so okay, so you know who would be highly entertaining to go to a strip club with, though? Who? Jill Rodriguez. Oh, 1000. She's getting a 1000 on this scale. That would that would be amazing. Just because like her her absolute hissy fit would be 
for the ages. It would be so entertaining. And she would probably get carried out by security. I don't think that J-Rod would go to a strip club simply because you're not like it's highly discouraged to be on IG live if you're at a strip club. <laughs> That's why I said she'd get carried out by security. <laughs> yeah. And then she would get her Instagram demonetized or, or banned or, or whatever. She'd get suspended or, or like soft, uh, uh, soft blocked so okay what what other like Duggar kid or in-law okay if you had to go to a strip club with one Duggar kid or in-law mm, like if you know. absolutely had to if i had to i don't know okay Jer- jeremy no jeremy is like also the like the the Duggar kid slash in-law that is most likely to be caught at a strip club but also he's just a bottom tier hang I feel like, you know, you know how I said that Max seemed like he was the type of dude who was hella into NFTs. I feel like Jeremy is the type of guy who would be into NFTs. Like Jeremy is only into sneaker related NFTs. Oh, God. Yeah. No, Jer- Jeremy would be trying to tell the strippers about NFTs um, and how they can. Jeremy either goes to a strip <laughs> club and orders a $20 glass of whiskey, but then doesn't have money to tip the dancers. Or he goes and he buys like a half hour time block of dances, but he tells the dancers like, no, actually put clothes on and sit in the corner over there. And I'm going to tell you about Jesus, which is a great deal. If you're a dancer, you don't actually have to. to, to I guess do it depends on how much religious trauma you have. <laughs> Yeah. What if you run into a dancer that's already Christian? I don't know. I have only vaguely heard of people doing this. Okay. Like enough to know that it's a thing, but not enough to know the details, unfortunately. I mean, we live in Portland. You you live in Portland. You you know like one or two people who are strippers. Like that's just there's a lot of Yeah. So I've like definitely heard tales of like when I tell people like about my cult experience of people being like, Oh, that's like the guy that came in the strip club and he would buy like He would buy like a full half hour in the champagne room at a time, but then he would tell me to put clothes on That's and expensive. like tell me about, I mean, I, that, so that particular person kind of thought the guy was doing it as a kink. Like really? Yeah. She kind of felt like he got off on it. Anyway, this is, this is digressing. I also feel like Jill would maybe not, Jill Duggar would maybe not be the worst person to go to a strip club with. Get a, get a couple pina coladas in her. See what happens. What about Ginger? I feel like Ginger would be the one who would go to a strip club and then call the paparazzi to take a picture of her leaving the strip club. You know, I wouldn't have said that a week ago, but since the body is an amusement park post dropped, maybe, <laughs> maybe. God. Yeah, no, I feel I feel like Ginger likes to witness the debauchery, but not actually be a part of it just so she can like feel superior. Yeah, I, I don't know. But speaking of people who are who would be great, Micah Plath is high-key, low-key, a sex work ally in this episode, which I love. He's, he's like, talking to the camera, and he's pretty toasted. He's like, yeah, well, you know, the dancers are here to do a job, and they're very good at what they do, and I'm just gonna enjoy their talents. Like I said, man, Michael is ideal vibes when you're going to the strip club. Zero shame. Only thing that we're, like, the only thing we're against is exploitation, and Micah seems to also be against the exploitation, and he's just, like, there, and he's, like... 100% here for Micah Plath, consensual sex work ally. Great time. Micah, we could go to the strip club anytime. Uh, oh, that would be great. Hit me up. Let's take, let's bring Micah to Portland. You know, some of the Plaths have hung out with fans. Really? Oh, yeah. I think Ethan and Olivia did it, but I maybe it may be somebody else who did. 
Okay, here's the thing. After the se- after the the season finale, I don't know if I'm that much of a fan of Micah anymore. Micah, what did he, he do? Oh, uh, okay, you have, you're gonna have to tell me. Yeah. Um, but we we had to get there first. So, yeah. while Micah, Ethan, and Olivia are having a blast at the strip club. Barry is, I'm sorry, this is going to bring the whole mood down. Barry is doing a parentification to Lydia by emotionally dumping on her about his looming divorce with Kim. That is zero surprise. This is emotional incest. Barry. Yeah. It is. And like, I don't, I don't say that to try to shame him in particular, because I do not think he understands this is not appropriate or normal. Like, I don't. I don't use that term a lot, even like when there are cases where I really could. I feel like it's very, I feel like it's valid here because he is depending on her as the way that you would depend on someone you're in a romantic relationship with. Yeah. And she's like 17 at the, uh, in the show timeline. Yeah. She just turned 18 in real time. So I have to think she was 17 when this was filmed. And it's not just like the emotional incest to be like dumping about your divorce to your kid. It's also really toxic behavior because you're forcing your child to pick sides in the divorce when you do that. Yeah. It's just absolutely not appropriate. And we were seeing Lydia taking on a huge amount of household work and like homeschooling younger siblings all the way back in season one, right after Hosanna had gotten married. And now here we are in season four years later, and she's still doing that. She's still stuck being an emotional sounding board for both of her parents because in the same set of episodes here in the second half of season four kim is also emotionally dumping on her about the divorce it's Mm -hmm. so inappropriate and there's just so much being put on lydia if you're a a kid and you're growing up fundy and you're like 14 and your older sister is 18 or 19 and she's getting married is there a sense of like oh fruit once she gets married all of her responsibilities are going to become my responsibilities Yeah, so if you watch 19 Kids and Counting, you can see younger siblings crying when their older sister, who is the leader of their buddy team, gets engaged or gets married. And yes, I think most of that crying is because the sister that has been like a surrogate mom to them their entire lives is leaving. But also, I think there's part of it that they're upset that they're going to have to pick up the sister's responsibilities as well. So uh, just kind of breezing through the rest of this season... Mariah has found a new love for yoga and ballroom dancing, which is cool. Barry keeps invading her space. He showed up while she was teaching yoga or leading a yoga group back in season three. (sighs) I think the Plath parents maybe regret pushing Mariah away so hard, and now they want to fix it. But they want to fix it by, like, forcing their presence on her. Uh, You never hear them say, I'm sorry we threw you out of the house when you're 17. The only thing that you ever hear them say is, I know there are things that I have done that have hurt you, but they never go into specifics. Right, like, you know, well, I've done some things that were wrong. I've said some things that I didn't really mean. Yeah. And, like, that's not, that is not an appropriate way to make an apology, especially to your child who you kicked out while you still had a legal, much less a moral obligation to care for them. Yeah, and then you basically dumped her on your other child who you'd already alienated yourself from. And right, by tormenting his wife. And then you used her as a pawn but in the conflict between you and the... Uh, here, yeah, and like here's the thing. Um, parents who parent through fundamentalism and through their own journeys in and out of fundamentalism do bad things. Parents who are fundamentalists make mistakes just like every other parent does. And sometimes they make worse mistakes because they are influenced by fundamentalism. I don't ever want to make it out that there isn't redemption for that. 
I, I don't ever want to make people think that if a parent really f***ed up because of fundamentalist philosophies, that it is not possible for that relationship to be brought back. There are things that you can do that you can't come back from. But honestly, there's a potential of redemption for Kim and Barry, but the their mistakes were very serious. And their work to regain the love and trust of their children would have to be as serious as their mistakes were. And that first, in the, the very first of many steps to that is a sincere apology. And that we're just not seeing that. The, the I think one piece of evidence that Kim and Barry really do regret how they've treated their older children and regret their ways is that the younger kids are getting a lot more freedom. And the older kids have weird feelings about this. Like, I've experienced this myself. So many of my friends have gone through this. It's so common for a family to either become stricter with time or to loosen up over time. Even if a family stays fundamentalist or stays IFB or IBLP or whatever, the younger kids sometimes get a lot more leeway than the older kids have. Even just in a financial sense, or maybe with fewer kids at home, the parents have more time to devote to the youngest kids. Even if the standards or the rules don't change for the younger kids, maybe the finances change and the younger kids have better food or better schools, or the younger kids are able to be given a car when older kids weren't, which gives them more freedom. Even if the family is still keeping the same rules, younger kids can get things that the older kids didn't, especially in these really big families. I, you know, I think that's true in all, in like a lot of families, not just fundamentalism, true. but it's probably exaggerated because of the fundamentalism, because everything is stricter to begin with. So true. any amount of leeway is going to seem like, like, you know, like it's like, going to seem like a big deal. Yeah. In my family, for example, my youngest brother got to do, got to go to a real Christian high school where he like wasn't the only one in his graduating class and they had real curriculum that wasn't ACE and Becca. Uh, he didn't have to watch. He got like science labs and didn't have to watch them on video. <laughs> he got to do actual high school sports and go to prom. And he had educational opportunities that I would have loved to have at his age. And I just didn't get. And it was a challenge for me because as I've maybe mentioned once on this podcast, I was fully obsessed with prom as a teenager. Hmm. And it was it was just something that it took me a little bit to accept that we're only four and a half years apart in age but he was able to do this thing that I always wanted so badly. So that's, I think it's so funny that you were so obsessed with it and you never got to go. Whereas like, I completely didn't register. It was a thing until it was like March of my senior year. And I had a crush on a girl and one of my friends was like, Oh, you should ask her to prom. And I was like, Oh yeah, prom. That's a thing. That's the idea. <laughs> I just wanted no. a fancy dress. All I, the only reason I wanted to go to prom was because I wanted a, a reason to get to buy a really, really fancy dress. You know what? I respect that. Personally, I think fancy dressing is for every day. But yeah, not when you have a toddler. <laughs> no, somebody should make like a, a line of like food proof and vomit proof ball gowns for like fancy moms. Chuck literally hugged and open mouth kissed me today when her face and hands were covered in peanut butter. And then so cutely and sweetly and lovingly ran her hands through my hair. A of all, that's adorable. But second, also you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're sticky. Also, Chuck, sticky. Chuck only knows open mouth kisses. She hasn't figured out like the pucker motion yet. So mm. when I say Chuck kissed me, I mean she licked me. <laughs> like Rick James. I don't know what that is. <laughs> 
I don't think you've seen Chuck give kisses. It's very uh, cute. It's it's a bit messy. I fed her Bomba. She's very sweet. She likes Bomba. <laughs> yeah, she didn't. She didn't decide to kiss you no. with Bomba everywhere. I wasn't that so, close. Yeah. So I okay. So I definitely assume. And this is just my speculation, but I do assume that the older Plath kids are looking at their siblings, being able to dress differently, having a little bit of exposure to the outside world, being able to take dance lessons. I feel like the older Plath kids are probably having some of those feelings. And like they're not, you know, those aren't invalid feelings. It's just something that you have to accept if you're an older child who grew up in a fundy family that's deconstructed to whatever extent. I don't, you know, I don't think that we older children are wrong for feeling them, but I, I also don't think it's right to to let the relationship with your younger siblings be fractured because of it. It's just kind of something you got to eat. Speaking of freedom, though, and strip clubs, Mariah and Olivia, as you mentioned earlier, try pole dancing. Yes, I, I actually I really like this, be, like because Olivia specifically talks about how pole dancing is very cathartic for her in trying to move past the mental blocks that she has from her fundamentalist upbringing and how, you know, she was raised in purity culture. Yeah, I feel like this is extremely cathartic. I related to this scene a lot. Olivia and Mariah are trying to learn how to do body rolls, and they just can't figure out how to move their body in a non-stiff way. Even Olivia is just trying to walk around the pole in heels, and she just looks so robotic. She can't get the hip motion down. Speaking of, uh, in a couple weeks, we've got an episode coming out where it's all about learning how to dance if you're raised fundy and you think that you're moving your body in any way that it might be noticeable to other people is wrong and sinful or were raised with that belief and you're still trying to figure out how to move your body. We've got an episode where we're going to talk about figuring out how to do that. It's going to be a lot of fun. Question. Yes. Do you think that Barry and Kim would have agreed to do this show if they'd known by season four that their daughter and their daughter-in-law, like the wife of their eldest son, would be doing pole dancing on national television? That's a very good question. <laughs> I really, I really don't know. I really don't know if it, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like playing three D chess to try to figure out what's going on in Kim's brain. Because there's, there's certainly a thought that maybe she thought all of her kids would turn out like Hosanna and that she would just have this show about her perfect family. But I, I have a theory in my mind that maybe she saw the signs that people were going to deconstruct and she knew that there was going to be family drama and she thought that it would bring her reality TV fame and money. I don't know. So I have a, a quick quote Um Micah comes into town to visit the family towards the end of this season. And Micah and Kim, so at this point in the season, by like halfway through the season, Micah or Kim and Barry are officially separated and considering a divorce. And it's pretty clear that the writing's on the wall and it is going to happen. But Micah comes in and he's hanging out with both of his parents separately. Ethan is coming into town in a couple days to also see the family. Micah and Kim get together at a restaurant first and kind of a neutral ground, let's hang out situation. And this is just a really interesting quote that I pulled from Kim. So Micah asks her, why did you raise us the way that you did? And Kim says, to me, the risk of not being overprotective enough was so great that I'd rather err on the side of overprotecting than under. Interesting. Do you think that this is really it, or do you think this is deflection of blame? Or is hmm. it like 50-50 or like 80-20? I think this is at least partially real. 
I think that Kim needs to acknowledge that the trauma of losing her youngest son or some other trauma or both influenced her thinking. I don't think she's being honest with herself about that part, but I don't think it's a lie when she says that she genuinely thought it was less risky to overprotect the kids than underprotect the kids. A few weeks ago when we were talking about burnout, you spoke about the about bad things happening when people don't have any real way to manage their feelings or emotions other than religion. Do you think that this is related to that? I think that's possible. I also just don't know. I think if Kim managed her bad feelings or emotions about bad things happening to her with religion, we would hear her reference religion more. Hmm. She just doesn't she doesn't speak in like the classic like highly religious way that I'm used to from fundamentalist women. Maybe she's maybe it's just her own path and it's her own way of being religious. Maybe she's been told by producers to tone it down for the show. I don't know. Cuz she doesn't talk like Michelle Duggar. They're, they're talking with Micah and they're talking with, uh, I, and, and, you know, with Mariah. And granted, none of them have been doing like really risky behavior, like particularly risky behavior. But they're definitely doing things that uh, that if you're a fundy parent, you're not going to be a huge fan of. Hmm. Yeah, like, how often do you think like ex-fundies really go off the de- I don't want to say go off the deep end with risky behavior. But like, you know, go a little nuts at first when they're getting out as as opposed to how they'd behave if they hadn't been raised so strictly. So I think this depends on what you're calling risky, like risky behavior, like hooking up with a lot of people or risky behavior, like hooking up with a lot of people while playing fast and loose with testing and contraception. Risky like getting super drunk or risky like drunk driving, risky like smoking cigarettes or risky like smoking heroin. Yeah. Like there's, it depends on what you're calling risky. (laughs) That's the thing is that the fundies aren't going to like be able to distinguish those things. And from what I've seen, like Ethan and Olivia and Micah and Mariah, none of them, like the ones who are like out and getting out, none of them are, have really been doing the things that I would personally describe as particularly risky. Like the riskiest thing I've seen is that Mariah talked about how she was in what she described as a controlling relationship. And that was something that her parents approved of. That was mm-hmm. something that that her parents were like, yeah, we like this guy. Also, like it, this is something that I think like cause being we talked about in the dating episode last week that growing up fundy, growing up in a really controlling environment is also going to groom you to be more accepting of 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 uh, controlling behavior from partners and and be more accepting of intimate partner violence. You know, not something that Fundy Dumb would have warned her about uh, that she would have done on purpose because she wanted to go out and try it and see what it was like, as opposed to, you know, how they treat alcohol and sex and things like that. The Fundy upbringing isn't going to prepare somebody to try safely. That's a that's a really salient point. And you're right that fundies aren't going to differentiate between these different types of risky behavior. But I do want to answer your question. I think most people who get out get into something that they were told by fundamentalism is risky. Things that normal people might do, like, you know, hookup culture or drinking or whatever, but something that isn't considered risky out in the real world. I think most people who come out of fundamentalism do some of those things. Mm. I've definitely known lots of people that continue into what I would consider actual risky behavior. I don't think it's the majority by far. It is, it's, it's common enough that I wouldn't describe it as abnormal, 
but I also don't think it's the majority. And Sadie and I, we hear from ex-fundies all the time. And from what I've observed, like a lot of the really harmful behaviors, you know, like drug abuse, like unhealthily using sex to seek validation, you know, eating disorder, nine times out of 10, when we hear people who talk about this, they tell us that it was a way to like cope or a way to self-medicate or a way to like feel like they were in control uh, because of the mental health struggles that they attribute to their fundamentalist upbringing. So it's not like, oh, I'm out. Let me just go sin all day long. It's I'm out. What in the f- is happening with my life? Nothing in the world makes sense. Everything is terrifying and upsetting. How do I gain control out, out, like over what's going on? Yep. And you gain control by doing what you were told not to do or doing things that you believe are bad or doing things that you know are bad for you in a way that you believe you can control. And best case scenario, you are in control. And then some people go on to find out that they are not in control. And then they have to figure out how to navigate getting help for what they're no longer in control of. Um, and I, and also massive respect for everybody who has done that. I know personally several listeners who are friends of mine who have shared with me about getting over their head with something or other after leaving fundamentalism and overcoming that. And I have the highest respect for those people. No shame, no shame, no shame, no shame in any of that. So I have, I have a couple, I have, I have one more major observation from season four, episode nine. Ethan has come into town. He orders a beer while at a restaurant with his dad. He's surprised that his dad doesn't like give him a dirty look or make any comments when he orders this beer. He does get ID'd by the waitress. And Barry says, Barry can't keep his mouth shut. Barry says, well, I suppose you get ID'd all the time at the grocery store. Did you catch that? No. This is manipulation. Really? Oh. Barry is subtly asking him, do you buy beer often at the grocery store? Is that what that means? Mm-hmm. I, okay, I saw I didn't pick up on that. This is a fundy parent thing. It is very subtle manipulation. So it's and the, Barry thought mm. it was subtle enough that the cameras wouldn't pick it up, but I sure did. So it's the same concept as a backhanded compliment, but it's meant to shame you uh, rather than like insult your appearance or something. Yeah, I can see how those concepts relate. The, the one thing about this that I thought was weird was that uh, Barry was like, I'm sure you get ID'd all the time. And I'm just like, this is a, like a 24 year old man who dresses like a 40 year old man. He's got, he's in like a polo shirt. He's got a cell phone belt clip and like white new balances. Like, what are you talking about here? This isn't like, <laughs> yeah, this is an old man in a young man's body. <laughs> Even, oh, I just want, I want the best for Ethan. I really do. It is his like very, very innocent thing is starting to get old. But from some things that you've told me, I feel like that might be changing on the end of the season. He's like Kenneth in 30 Rock is is really is who he is. Yeah, but I love Kenneth because he reminds me of all the sweet fundy boys I knew. Kenneth is like the best of all the fundy boys I ever oh. knew. I, I love Kenneth. Anyway, the last few episodes of the show, this is where things really start to take a turn. Uh, I think Kim is trying to build herself a redemption arc <sighs> without really changing her behavior. And that's a sh- thing to do. There's this whole incident where the family... So, so building to the end of the season, the family wants to do a memorial thing for Joshua, the kid who tragically died as, as a toddler. Uh, I think it's on his birthday. Does that sound right? Yeah. Okay. 
So, and they haven't gone as a family to his grave very much because when he died, Kim had such a tough time. The kids were asked not even to mention him around their mom. I get it, but that must have been really tough for the kids. The problem mm. is, so, okay, so... This is not Ethan, Olivia's best moment. This, this really is isn't. Olivia's worst moment. Ethan wants to go to this memorial, which is completely reasonable. Ethan is one of the only Plath children who is old enough to remember Joshua. So this is a big, like, the, being there is is essential for Ethan, uh, especially because the family is just now getting to the point in the grieving process over 10 years after this kid died, that they are able to go to the grave as a family. This is a huge deal for Ethan. And Ethan has decided, Ethan has not seen his mom yet since Barry informed him that they are in fact getting a divorce. Ethan has not seen or spoken to his mother since Barry told him, we are going to get a divorce. Ethan is going to be at this memorial. Olivia says that she does not want to be at this memorial if Kim is going to be there, which is fine. This is reasonable. Olivia also never met Joshua. Olivia never met this kid. She would like to support her husband at this at the memorial for Joshua, but she is not willing to be there if Kim is going to be there. This is a fine boundary. Where Olivia really f***ed up is when she thinks that because she wants to go, Kim should not attend this memorial. Olivia! What are you doing? There is no universe in which it is reasonable for the mother of the child not to go to her child's memorial so that the sister-in-law who never met the child can be there. And I think Olivia just like so distrusts Ethan's family's ability to support him emotionally that she thinks she has to be there to emotionally support him. And that's just that is just a, a massive miscalculation on her part. She's not wrong in thinking that, though. I think she is wrong. This is Ethan's family, and his siblings do love him, and his siblings are close to him. Micah and Mariah will be supportive, and Isaac will be supportive. Mm -hmm. And Ethan is rebuilding the relationship with his dad. Ethan is a big boy. Ethan can see his mother and not burst into flames, if he so chooses. So I think Olivia is just so hurt that she does not trust Kim around her husband for half a second. But this is this is just not reasonable. You're like Olivia. Your husband is a grown man. He can he can be around his family for a few hours, and he will be okay. And you just you are gonna have to just trust him. Yeah, I, she's I, she's hmm. really treating him like a five year old child. Like I understand if I had a five year old child, I would not want my five year old child around Kim Plath or around somebody who had hurt me as badly as Kim has hurt Olivia. That is super understandable. And I would certainly, so, okay, so let's say that, you know, there's somebody who has hurt me as much as Kim has hurt Olivia, and they want to be around me and my kid. And I've set a boundary. I'm not going to be there if this person is there, because this person has really hurt me, and I'm not willing to occupy the same space as them. I would not send Chuck alone into that situation. I would not trust that person around my child. But Ethan is not a child. Ethan is an adult. And Olivia is, in my opinion, treating him like a small child that she needs to protect. Olivia does not come out of this looking good, does she? No. She really she really doesn't. I'm, I'm wondering, on one hand, I wonder if this is like a reality TV manipulation kind of thing. Like where they changed some stuff around and made it, it seem like... Be. It like because th this just seems so like horribly unreasonable that th like if if everything happened the way that it happened on the show, holy f 
Like I cannot stan Olivia anymore. And not that I like stand her before, but like you know, you know what I'm saying. Like this is this is I, this- I really liked her, but she is not going in a good direction. No. So would you tell me about what happens? Can you kind of recap the finale episode for me? Yeah. I know so, this one is already getting long, but this is interesting. No, we need to we need to do it. So the finale episode, there's a couple of major parts of it. Ethan, uh, Olivia, Micah, and Mariah. They are planning... A, Olivia plans a trip to Jamaica for Ethan's birthday. Micah and Mariah are coming along as well. This feels like really produced to me, but I'm about it. <laughs> well, what it was, what, what they said was that... Um, Olivia got invited to she was going to be a bridesmaid at the wedding in Jamaica and it was around oh, okay. the, and it was around that the makes time slightly of, more sense I was like why are the plots just going to Jamaica are they trying yeah. to do a spinoff travel show what is going on here I don't know I would you watch it would you want like oh, they, yeah. I, mean, I mean they go to the the, the place and they eat jerk chicken for the first time which was fun they, like they so they go to Jamaica uh because Olivia was going to be a bridesmaid in the wedding and it was around the time of Ethan's birthday. And so she's like, you know what? Like, we'll go to this resort for like a couple of days just for your birthday. And, you know, we'll bring Micah and Mariah. It'll be a good time. Um, really nice thing to do. Uh, it looks like a really fun trip. Okay. But that kind of screams like marriage is not going well to me. If you are bringing other people on your trip because you don't want to be alone with your spouse for that long. Huh? I don't know. Hmm. That that's an alarm bell for me. Keep going. Yeah. Also, because like they, Micah, do Micah and Mariah? No, Micah lives in Los Angeles. Yeah. But Mariah lives with them, and also Mariah lives in their city. I think she has her own place at this point, but I could be wrong. No, you know who lives with them is Olivia's brother Nathan. Who every time he's like on the sh- like every time he comes in like and on an episode, I'm like, who the f- is that? And then I remember, <laughs> oh yeah, Olivia has a brother named Nathan who lives with them now. I guess. <laughs> i don't know just just some marriage advice for you if you ever get married don't have roommates like other than unless you create roommates called children (laughs) (laughs) also very funny to refer to your kids as your roommates highly recommend co-workers is also a good time anyway uh i've known married people who had roommates and it is usually the death knell of the marriage. That seems like a bad Actually, idea. Actually, I've never known married people who had long-term roommates that stayed married. Anyway, when they're on this trip, you know, they do a, they go to to like they eat jerk chicken. Uh, looks delicious. They go to the beach and hang out, have a bonfire on the beach. They get musicians to play for them, sing happy birthday to Ethan. It was really sweet. Then they go to a Rastafari village or, or, to learn about Rastafarianism and to look at their weed plants. This is starting to sound like uh, what would happen if you watched the Plathville finale and then watched The Bachelorette and then took an <laughs> edible and went to bed. <laughs> this is the dream you would have. That sounds like a dream that you like have weird, every like, night. <laughs> That's what you do. <laughs> that would imply that I sleep. <laughs> oh! oh. oh. <laughs> I, I do not. Um... So, <laughs> but no, this seems like a very, like a plathified version of a bachelorette group date. <laughs> We're going to a village to learn about Rastafarianism and look at <laughs> weed plants. So we get, 
Um, so when they're looking at the weed plant, I, it was it's either Ethan or Micah. I couldn't tell who was talking. Said I haven't seen this in real life. I've only seen them on Trailer Park Boys. So we get oh. a confirmation. That, oh my god! That both Ethan and Micah watch huge. Trailer Park Boys. Yeah, this is huge. That's it is amazing. Huge. Yeah, that, I mean that's incredible, man. That's that's. I mean, I saw that. I I was gonna text you immediately and tell you that, but then I I figured I'd save it for the episode because we're both huge fans of Trailer Park Boys. That show was amazing. It's that hilarious. is amazing. Yeah. Have you ever seen Trailer Park Boys live? No. It's a good time. Also, you can get a contact high in line for the building yeah. for free. <laughs> Rest in peace, John Dun- Dunsworth, uh, Jim Leahy. We hardly you know. Knew you. Honestly, it makes me. This has been a super dad heavy episode, which is hilarious because I don't think my dad ever watched an episode of reality TV in his life. But it gives me a lot of comfort to think that my dad and John Dunsworth might be hanging out. They get I along. feel like they get along. Yeah. Yes. So Ethan smokes weed, not on camera, but off camera. Um, oh, and my he, God. He describes the experience for the first time in which he says uh, he says that like he when he would look away from something, he couldn't remember what that thing looked like until he looked back at it. Ah! Like, so he must have been just like off his f- face like he must have but he he was enjoying it which maybe means ethan's head is a little bit of a nicer place to be than we were thinking i just feel like if you were in a chronically bad headspace and you smoke weed for the first time you're gonna freak out and if ethan's not freaking out maybe his brain is a pretty okay place to be right Micah, on the other hand, clearly smokes weed on a regular basis. And they're like talking about, oh, well, weed is legal uh, uh, for medicinal purposes. And Micah's like, yes, absolutely. I only ever use weed for medicinal purposes. That's the only I'm just like this guy smokes. This guy's blazed. I mean, he's out in L.A. where it's illegal. He's like, yeah, and Micah has to look a certain way and alcohol has calories. That's true. Yeah, but weed makes you want to eat. Yeah, but you can like. You can you can overcome that. Yeah. Or you can just eat super healthy stuff. Or you can or you can like smoke weed and go to the gym and just like Yeah, or you can work off the calories. Like if you're Micah and your job is to work out like you can work off the calories so but they're, they're like uh, talking to these rastafarians um and the, the the guy who is there is like first man the guy's name is first man or that's what they call him that's probably not his name it's probably like his title i don't know much about rastafarianism anyway they're talking to this either. guy he's talking to them about rastafarian teachings and how like the world uh, and like oneness and togetherness with all of the people in the world it's really sweet olivia is like you know what this is this is also kind of the sort of thing that i would hear people talk about like loveness and oneness and forgiveness when um people would be abusers and so she's a little bit she has a little bit of a barrier up there which you know Hmm. for everything she's been through so she feels like she's kind of been set up maybe yes and so when like the next day they're like all going parasailing and uh Ethan is out like on the parasailing boat going parasailing and Micah and uh, Olivia and Mariah are like on the dock together and Micah and Mariah confront Olivia and ask her if she took the Rastafarian teachings to heart with regards to their mother. Mm, So now Olivia definitely feels set up and attacked. I don't know. This scene to me, this felt like extremely, I don't know. Micah is a bit of a himbo and mariah as much as i love her she is not the most emotionally intelligent person olivia olivia is like clearly you know she's already set up this boundary she's like you know what i'm i've 
I have sort of a relationship with your guys' father. I'm not ready for the relationship with your mother yet. I feel like, okay, so go back to what I said about Olivia is a brand new cook who sometimes uses too much salt. Yeah. Olivia has tried to set healthy boundaries and they've just been crossed and pushed and smashed so many times. And now she's setting boundaries that don't seem as healthy or reasonable. I think and that's I think a reasonable Olivia take. Olivia is acting out of self-preservation, and she is being unreasonable. The whole thing about the memorial service was unreasonable. Yeah. It was bad. It was a bad look. It was it was not a reasonable boundary. Um, it was it was selfish. But I also understand why she is acting in that selfish way. Like it it doesn't it it's not illogical. Like, I get it. So here's where for, for Micah and Mariah, here's where for, for me, it makes them it makes for me feel like they've been acting poorly or like they don't have a full grasp on this is that they're always saying things like, well, it makes us feel really uncomfortable when there's conflict and when there's tension. And so they just want to seek like an immediate resolution to any conflict that there is, whereas Olivia has clearly done a lot more work and a lot more therapy and a lot more deconstruction than either of them have. And she's like, that's not how it, this works. You can't just like wave your hands and make the conflict go mm -hmm. away. Like it, this is going to take time, but they want a resolution like right away. And I think Micah and Mariah are really uncomfortable with any conflict because that's how they were raised. They're also 19 and 21. They're also like really wanting the love and acceptance of their mother and they're willing to accept less resolution if they will get the love and acceptance of their mother back immediately yeah hmm yeah it's it was it, god it, it, this it, like i felt like through a lot of the episode i was just like they are gaslighting this this woman like they that's how it felt to me like they just wanted to like and she was like why are you bringing this up while we're on vacation and i was just like hey good point bring this up when you go back home why are you bringing this up when we're on vacation while her husband is off on the parasailing boat and can't stand up for her that's where yeah, it's i felt do feel like that's kind of toxic of micah and mariah i don't know that they are emotionally complex enough i don't know if that's the right term it's been a long freaking episode I don't know if Micah and Mariah are cunning enough to purposely separate Olivia from Ethan to have this conversation. I don't know if I would think they did it on purpose, but I can see why Olivia would feel like they did it on purpose. I don't know. This family is, is a great reality TV show family, in other words. Anyway, back in uh, Cairo, Kim, Cairo. Uh, Kim and Barry announced the divorce to the younger children. This conversation is surprisingly non-toxic. Um, yeah, they're just saying, well, we're, we're still going to be friends with each other, but we don't want to be married to each other anymore. And we still love all of you. That was basically the conversation. Uh, it was like, your dad's going to move out. I'm still probably going to keep the farm or we're going to sell the farm. Um, and and then we'll figure that out. And Lydia floats the idea of moving in with Barry when Barry leaves, which I thought was interesting because he had also been the one who was doing the emotional incest on her, uh, as you said earlier. I could, yeah. And as like with my funny creds, I could see Lydia like this man does not know how to do laundry or cook and I need to do that for him. I could also see Lydia thinking, this is my way out of taking care of all these kids. 
Yes. Only doing laundry and cooking for one person sounds great. Although, like, the interesting thing was that Kim was like, well, if that's what you want to do, I imagined you moving out on your own, which I was like, huh, you're trying to get her also out from under your roof. Which, But that also seems vindictive. Maybe Kim just wants Barry to suffer on his own and have to learn how to do laundry. That w- I wouldn't put it past Kim. Maybe Kim is just like, this man has had free laundry services for 20-whatever years. Let him do it himself. Yeah. Like, maybe that's just what Kim is thinking. Kim and Lydia basically do, like, a nail painting session together where where they have, like, a, you know, like, one of those pseudo-reality TV show heart-to-hearts where... Yes, but I also, I believe in Kim and Lydia's actual friendship. It's toxic because Kim is doing a parentification to Lydia constantly and relying on her 18-year-old child for emotional support. But I do actually believe that Kim and, Kim and Lydia have a heartfelt friendship and connection. Kim and Lydia are, are painting their nails together and Kim does the whole same thing that they always do. Where it's like, I know I've made decisions that hurt you. Rather than saying, I did XYZ thing that hurt you. I was wrong for that. I'm sorry. Uh, I, I, Here's what, my plan for not doing X Y th- X Y Z thing again. What can I do to make it up to you like that? Yeah, th- th- like and and she doesn't do that. Um, yeah, but like Lydia has basically been parentified and she's been taking care of her younger sister's like needs emotionally. And what she's literally talking about in this conversation is that she's worried that when she moves out, that her younger siblings won't have their emotional needs met. Mm-hmm. And she like she says that, and I'm like, oh, this is this is for real. But Kim is just like, I don't want to live under the same roof as Barry anymore. Um, yeah, and- because once again, like after Kim gets, you know, so a, a tiny, tiny bit of credit from me, she is more concerned about her own self than her children's needs being met. Yeah. So this Ugh. brings us to the wh- like the the crux of the episode. Or, or Micah and Mariah and uh, and Olivia had ha- have had this conversation. Kim and Barry have told the younger kids that they're getting a divorce, but to show that there's still a family, they've decided to go on a river rafting trip, or not like a ri- like a, going to like a river to float like on on the water uh, to celebrate Ethan's birthday. And it's a be- like a big old question as to whether. Olivia is going to come. And yeah. Olivia probably makes it about herself a little bit with the will I or won't I go. Not in the way that you would think. Not as bad as she did for the memorial service? No. Okay, so, well, okay. I guess, okay, points. Cool. So they, they were in the house and they were talking about like with Micah and Mariah and they were talking to Ethan and Olivia about it and Nathan was there and every time Nathan is on screen I'm just like, who the f*** is he and why is he here? Uh, but he was there also. Anyway, uh, the they were like pressuring Olivia into going and it was clear that she didn't want to, but she was being pressured into it. And Ethan was like, you should do what you feel is what you feel is right. And I have to give credit to Ethan and he didn't like stand up and say, you need to go or you need to not go. He basically said the decision is up to you, but Micah and Mariah were really saying, no, you need to go to this. Um, and if you don't go, then you're making a, bigger deal out of this than you would be if you did go and just were nice to everybody and pretended that nothing was wrong um Mm -hmm. 
And it was literally just like they were very much pressuring Olivia into what I felt was like a, a violating a boundary that she had put up. And they're like, no, you need to do this. Like, yeah, and- I don't like the go and pretend everything is OK. That mm, don't like that. That's literally what she like. And they were talking about like how important family is and how important family is and how important like they sounded like a fucking Dominic Toretto Fast and the Furious meme. That's what they sounded like. Yeah. So does Olivia go? She so what happens is she and Nathan go early and take a separate car so that if things get uncomfortable, she can leave, which I think is a mature decision. I think that's a good this seems like a good solution. The thing was, she didn't like apparently she didn't announce to everybody in the house that that's what she was doing. And so Micah and Mariah had like were like all upset about this. And they're like, oh, she's making it about her. And I'm just like, really? She showed up early so that she can like get her time in there. And if things get weird, then she can leave. That's what you do in this situation. You give yourself a way out. Yeah, I think Olivia, I think it's time for Olivia to give, not give friendship with Kim one more chance or not give Kim a way back into her life and into her head uh, and, and into ability to manipulate her. I think it is time for Olivia to give peace with Kim and Barry a chance. Just, you know, just a, a waving a white flag. Just, you know, we are not going, Kim and Barry are not going to terrorize K- Olivia any further. And Olivia is going to occasionally show her face in family situations. I think it's time to give that a try. So I think her showing up is a good thing. So we haven't gotten to the the juiciest bit yet. Oh, so fun. Olivia, so Olivia is there. Olivia and Nathan get there early and they're just like chilling by the water. And then, like, Ethan and Micah and Mariah show up in Mariah's car, and they're, like, parking. They set everything up, and then, like, the 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 parents and the younger kids show up. And there's, like, some whole, like, tiff over, oh, they didn't come down and say hi. Oh, well, she's down by the water. Is she going to come up and say hi to us? And it was really stupid, and I was just like, oh, my God. It's like a... And everybody's just like uncomfortable with the situation. So Olivia like walks back up and then Mariah like confronts her and like, why haven't you come up and like said hi to everybody yet or something like it was it was stupid. So not only do they want Olivia to show up, they also want her to approach on her knees and yeah, essentially they want her to like eat humble pie, which is not that's not in Mariah, like, that's not in Olivia's deal. Like, Olivia's deal is I will show up and try. And now Micah and Mariah are adding all these extra expectations to her. Like, they want her to behave a certain way and do certain things. Exactly. That's hmm. really what was going on here. And so, like, Mariah's like, what's the, like, basically, what's the big deal? Olivia, what do you call it when you're talking to the camera? Um, uh confessional yeah or like a confessional where the producers are basically like like seriously what's the deal with you and kim and olivia like this is the crazy part olivia tells this story that when she was 16 she felt like she had been emotionally abandoned by her mother and kim took olivia under her wing and really treated her like she like she wanted to be treated like if she were a daughter and she and she's like i loved this woman and I married her son. And then like every like it was it was wonderful. And she gave me all of this attention. And then she comes to find out that her mother-in-law had been using her 20-year-old husband's credit card. And when she confronts she confronts her husband about this, she confronts Ethan about this. 
And he says, oh, well, well, I don't know the password. I, I can't change it because he doesn't want to confront his mother. And so mm-hmm. Olivia is base o- Olivia is being much more of an adult than her husband is, goes and gets the password, changes the credit card information. Kim gets angry and like wants basically to use her son's credit card and not have to pay him back like she'd been doing in the past. And Olivia Mm -hmm. says, no, you can't do this. Kim just turns on her and says she's possessed by demons. And suddenly she's an evil, like demon possessed woman who's tearing her family apart. Oh, my God. Yeah. So. Kim took Olivia in during a hard part in her life, love bombed her, and then dumped her because Olivia said, you can't use my husband's credit card anymore? Yes. And you feel like this story from Olivia is is credible. Like, I didn't see it, but you your impression is that this is absolutely true. Yes. Knowing what I know about these, like, because... Ethan is I mean, yeah, I don't have a reason. I, I'm just checking that this like rang true for you. It didn't seem like it was like completely nuts to oh me. Like, my God. imagine like Ethan is absolutely the kind of guy that would just let his mom use his credit card and not confront her about it, especially if the mom is. Kidding. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Olivia is absolutely the kind of person who would say, no, this is not going to fly. Uh, that's not how this works. And Kim, like, does does any of that stuff hearing does hearing any of that stuff seem like that is? No, this makes sense. Yeah, like it was, it was nuts. I'm just like processing this live. That that makes sense, and I still. I'll send you the clip because I think it got cut into like a clip um, that you can find on YouTube. I do think it's time for Olivia and Kim to stop being enemies. I don't think they will because it's a reality TV show. But this is so much extra backstory. Yeah. This, is that So is that like the end of the... How does this episode end? So there's one more quote that I want to, to say from Olivia that she says about this before like I get to the, the resolution. So um, Olivia says, like after telling this story, she says... Being wanted by someone doesn't mean they love you. They can want you because you meet their needs, not because they meet yours. Holy mm. shit. That was like, she said that, and I'm just like, man. Oh. I just, you know, I I was getting very anti-Olivia, and and I still think some of her actions have been unreasonable, but I have been called demon-possessed. Like, I have been in that exact situation where somebody said that they, you know, said that they loved me and were all about me for a while. And then I did something that they didn't like. And they told me to my face and told people that I cared about that I was demon possessed. Like, I've had this happen to me. And that is a very intense pain. Yeah. I I, I can't imagine. It it is rough. It, it that is that is really really rough because number one that's a very serious insult in the Fundy world, but also like there's no way to clear your name. There's no way to prove that that's incorrect. Like you can, I mean, you could submit to an exorcism, but that person could continue to say that you were faking the exorcism and you were possessed. There is no it, it's a witch hunt type situation. It's a no win situation. And 
from what I've seen from this show and just the the things that the younger kids have said, it's clear to me that that Kim and Barry talk shit about Olivia at the home all the time. Mm-hmm. Like, but so what what happens at the end of the episode basically is that Olivia and Nathan go to the car and she's like, I'm going to leave. But then she just kind of cools off for a bit and she's just like, I got to kind of suck it up. And she goes out there and she goes to the picnic table and talk and like sits down at the picnic table and she's hanging out with like Isaac and some of the older kids. And then some of the younger kids come over to her and like really start saying hi. And you can tell she really loves these kids. She really loves these kids and she loves this family except for Kim and except for Barry. And it's like really difficult. But basically Kim says, hi and olivia says hi back and like that's kind of it and then they like play the the inspirational reality show music and it's kind of just like oh we said hi to each other we're like that's that's all we needed that we acknowledged each other's presence in each other's presence (laughs) i mean i i think that's a big deal this is the first time that olivia has spoken to her at all in years yeah I would, you know, I would love to see, I would love to see them get to a point of civility. That would be really cool. If Kim could make an apology, and I I do not have any faith in Kim to make a real apology, but if Kim could make an apology that was slightly better than half-assed, I would love that. I I, I think that would be really interesting to see where it goes next. Because I just, I don't, I, I massively dislike Kim and Barry. I don't see them as irredeemable yet. And I would love for I would love for them to come from behind and start the process of of redeeming themselves. That would be really neat. They really what they really need to do is they need to the Kim has a lot of personal growth that she needs to go through. Like everybody has all this personal growth they need to go through. Uh obviously, and Olivia it seems like Olivia it seems like to me is so often she is the only she's like i'm a functioning adult and i'm surrounded by insane people and idiots and Mm -hmm. then she behaves in ways that are irrational because she is surrounded by insanity that is my take and she behaves in ways that are that are uh, uh, not the best the funeral thing is gonna be a tough look no matter what i still don't get that i don't like i don't know i feel like that must have been some sort there must have been something they didn't tell us or there must have been some sort of manipulation there because i just i i don't know i don't yeah know that's that. just an almost unbelievable thing that like olivia would think that was somehow a rational boundary to set yeah what what do you think of what do you think of the um of the great reveal of Kim and Olivia's uh, uh of their origin story? Uh that totally tracks and it that sheds a lot of light on why Olivia has been so tough on boundaries. I also think though like if that's really what it comes down to, if that's really what started the whole thing, that's something that they could work out. If it is not, if it is four years of misunderstanding and fighting and being awful to each other, 90% Kim being awful to Olivia, if, but if it was all started by this kerfluffle over a credit card, that is something that Kim could go to like three, te- three therapy sessions and realize was inappropriate for her to be doing and just apologize for that one thing. And then Olivia 
could accept her apology for that one thing, the credit card thing, and that could potentially be a foundation for a new start. Yeah, maybe. Like, Who knows? If, we could see it in season all five. Of their issues, yeah, but if all of their issues stem from this one major problem, if just that one problem got fixed, all of the rest of their issues and all of the rest of the pain that Kim has caused Olivia would still exist and still need to be worked through. But if all the pain is built on the foundation of one thing, I don't know, that seems like something that could potentially be fixed. Well, the way that Olivia told it, it made it seem like this was just one example of the th- of the way that Kim would behave when they were first married. That's the impression I got. But, you know, it's reality TV. They got to cut for time. And anyway, oh th- <laughs> they're teasing next season, I think, by saying Ethan is like, oh, I got to move back to uh, to Cairo um, for the for cars or something because he has cars or something. I don't know what's going on with that. Ethan's uh, a car guy. He fixes cars and things. Yeah. So he's like, I have, I have cars in Cairo and I need to go and get them there. So we need to, I'm going to move there for a couple of months or something. What or I maybe think about this is that it is, I don't know. yeah, but maybe Ethan is just moving to leave Olivia. Possibly. I or maybe know. the time apart does them good. I don't know. Uh, I think we are going to have to, wrap it up for now but i think we are going to be back at the end of season five (laughs) i can't wait for that that's going to be nuts i don't think there's any way that we get out of doing plot content from here on at least this is a hell of a lot more interesting than the duggars the duggars they don't do anything what's their thing is uh we went to the golf course today we went mini golfing today and talked about feelings and touching each other and it's just like (laughs) creepy uh we went to an orchestra one of our kids fell in the orchestra pit don't ask me which one i haven't memorized their names yet we went to an airport and lost a kid we went to a fun run with brandy chastain but we all wore jeans and denim skirts and brandy chastain was like are you guys insane why are you wearing that to a fun run we went to dollywood but we're scandalized by dolly parton's attire then we sang for her I don't know. The Plathville is a lot uh, more fun to recap. I'm I'm happy with this. It's less cringe, but it's also like more cringe because they're more like relatable. And I feel like when when you see something that you're like, oh, I've done something like that, then it's a little bit more cringe because you can relate to it. Whereas with the Duggars, if it's just something somebody acted crazy, it's easy. It's I don't know. Anyway. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. What do we have next week? Next week, we're talking about how to learn how to drink responsibly as a person coming out of fundamentalism if you've never drank alcohol before. That's going to be super fun. Yeah, and we also have the, the long-awaited time where I finally get to explain to Gavi what it is with the fundamentalists and drinking. Thank you so much for tuning in today's episode. I know it's been a long one, but it's been a good one. If you like this fundy content, we've got more content about the Duggars. We've got content about Vision Forum. We've got content about IBLP and Bill Gothard. We've got content about Jill Rodriguez, if you're a fundy snarking of the fundy snarking persuasion. Um, if you like our show, if you're a fan of our show, you can join our Patreon for a very extended version of today's episode because I know that there's stuff that didn't make it into the final cut, but that you might find funny or enjoyable or entertaining. And that is patreon.com slash leaving Eden podcast. You can go and join our Facebook group, which is facebook.com slash groups slash Eden Exodus. You can join our subreddit, which is reddit.com slash r slash Eden Exodus. You can go and check out our merch at our threadless shop. Link is in the show notes in the description sadie do you want to plug your social media sure you can follow me and see pictures of my cat on instagram at sadie carpenter music you can follow me and get 
random observations about the world and funny conversations I have with my husband um, at on Twitter at Hell yeah Sadie. You can follow me and get uh, deconstruction talk and sometimes just TikTok trends on TikTok at Sadie Carpenter One. You can follow the podcast at Leaving Eden Podcast on Facebook and Instagram, Leaving Eden Pod on Twitter, and you can follow me on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at G A V R I E L H A C O H E N. Thank you so much for tuning in. You guys have a great day, uh, my Plothdafarians. Literally Plothdafarians because they go to a Rastafarian. Uh, village in Jamaica. You guys have a great day. Bye-bye. softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.